is so good to be with you this morning. Your pastors, Jerry, Scott, and Stan, have been dear friends of mine for a long time. We have shared life and ministry together for many years, and because of that, all these years, I've heard great things about the ZPC family, so it is just a delight for me to be in worship with you. Last May, as Jerry alluded to, after serving New Hope for 19 years, I stepped away from pastoral ministry to begin this new adventure with a nonprofit called Altar Fly Fishing. It's our aim at Altar to bring fly fishing and faith together into a common stream. And we do that by offering retreats around the country for men, women, active military personnel, and pastors. My role on staff is to work with pastors before, during, and after our retreats. I quickly learned this summer after being on a couple of our retreats that they're really not about the fishing, as important as the fishing is. They're really about tending to the souls of those who join us. We know that a pastor who comes to one of our events will have the opportunity to have his or her soul renewed so that by the time the retreat is over and they go back to their families and congregation, they are refreshed for the journey ahead. And we also know at Altar that these retreats, the ripple effect that they have extends beyond just the pastors because we know that if a pastor is tending in a healthy way to his or her soul, that that pastor's family life and congregational life will be different. Their families and congregations will be healthier. Well, enough about Altar. If you would like to learn more about Altar, I'd be delighted to speak with you after worship. And by the way, we're having a retreat for our Presbytery pastors in April. And it's my goal in 23 to see Jerry in waders uh, <laughs> fishing in a stream. So I'm working on that. Full disclosure, I have not preached since April 24th, my last Sunday at New Hope. As a pastor mentor of mine used to say, there's nothing like preaching and there's nothing like not preaching. <laughs> well, I've done the not preaching now for a while and it's been good. But boy, what a joy it is to stand up in a pulpit once again this morning. So thank you for that privilege, especially on this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, a very special Sunday in the church year. By the way, I don't preach as long as Jerry does. <laughs> I was here last week and I heard him say that his sweet spot for sermon length is 30 to 37 minutes, and I immediately thought, wow, next Sunday they're not going to have a sermon that long. <laughs> but I was put at ease by Stan Johnson, who told me that that probably would be okay with all of you. <laughs> when Jerry told me that he would be preaching from the texts of Isaiah in Adv at Advent, I was thrilled. Like a family member who comes home once a year over the holidays, Isaiah comes to us every Advent. Oh, we may hear from Isaiah in other times of the church year, 
but we always hear from Isaiah during Advent. Isaiah could be called the poet laureate of the Bible. No other preacher or writer in the scriptures has his poetic talent. His preaching speaks of a time to come when God will do something new. Consider these lines, lines we hear every Advent. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's chapter 11. Hear these lines from 35. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. Isaiah is a prophet of hope, which is why his poetic voice resonates so deeply during this season. The word Advent means coming, and so every year during this season, we remember the one who came once in Bethlehem and will one day come again. That is the hope of Advent and why it's always good to have Isaiah come around this time of year. Today's reading comes from chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Our second reading of the morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans. And in this passage, he also proclaims of a time to come. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than we became when we became believers, In the, and the night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, 
not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let us pray together. Lord, we have opened your word. Now open our hearts that we might hear its message. That for having been here today, the Spirit of God might have shaped us and renewed us in his power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 8th century B.C., when Isaiah preached his poetic word, Assyria was the world power, the superpower of the day. Assyria was the largest empire in the world ever up to that point. And they wanted to keep expanding. And the land of Israel and Judah, God's people, was in their sights. With the threat of that dismal future hanging over them, Isaiah brought this different word to God's people, a word of a different kind of future. He told of a day when the mountains of the Lord's house would be the highest mountain and a place that all nations would come seeking to learn the ways of the Lord. He told of a day when the word of the Lord would go out from Jerusalem and that God himself would be the judge between nations. He told of a day when swords would be fashioned into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks because nations would no longer need to learn war anymore. Given this future, he said, let us walk in the light of the Lord. At a time when the greatest power in the history of the world to that point threatened their borders, the word of Isaiah must have sounded like craziness to God's people. They must have thought Isaiah was out of his mind. Today, on this first Sunday of Advent, some 2,700 years later, give or take, we return to Isaiah's words to proclaim a different kind of future. In this season of the church here, we speak of the one who came once and the one who will one day come again. And remember how John writes about this day when Christ comes again in Revelation 21. He writes that there will be a new heaven and a new earth when Jesus comes again. And God himself will dwell with his people. And then this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. As preacher and author Brennan Manning once put it, Christmas is the promise that the God who came in history and comes daily in mystery 
will one day come in glory. God is saying in Jesus that in the end, everything will be all right. Nothing can harm you permanently. No suffering is irrevocable. No loss is lasting. No defeat is more than transitory. No disappointment is conclusive. That's the hope of Advent. And to some, maybe even to some of us, those who proclaim this message might seem to be out of their minds. In a world where suffering and loss, hunger and pain, disappointment and despair seemingly rule the day, Advent does seem to be too good to be true. And yet today, we proclaim the words of Isaiah. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And Paul the Apostle, the night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The hope of Advent. Last month, I dug holes in the flower beds in front of our home and planted 50 tulip bulbs. I dug 10 different holes, lined them with rich compost soil I brought home from Lowe's, and stuck five bulbs point side up in each hole. Along about the third hole, it occurred to me planting bulbs in October is an act of hope. <laughs> Especially these bulbs, as some of them looked very dry and scraggly. Dead would be a great adjective. But I planted them anyway, in the hope that come late March, I will see five sets of green shoots coming out of the ground in 10 different holes in front of my house. Well, in October, March seems like a long time to wait to see if those dead-looking bulbs do indeed have life. But I wait in hope. Waiting is part of hope, isn't it? I wish I could know today that those bulbs will come up in March, but I have to wait. Waiting is part of our Advent hope, too. We wait for the day when our Lord will come again and make all things new and right. We might rather have all things new and right today, but we have to wait. I'd like to define our Advent hope this way. Hope is our confident expectation that what God says will one day be true. Let me say that again. Hope is our confident expectation that what God says will one day be true. I think it's important to be clear what we mean by hope as followers of Jesus because we often use the word to mean something different. We might say, we hope the Colts get back on the winning track tomorrow night. 
Or, I hope we have snow on Christmas this year. When we use the word like that, we're talking about wishful thinking. What we're hoping for may happen or it may not, but we hope it does. Wishful thinking. Advent hope is more than wishful thinking. It is the confident expectation that what God says will one day be true. There will be a day when he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. That day will come. Amen? In the meantime, we wait. And what do we do while we wait? Paul helps us here. The night is far gone, he wrote. The day is near. So let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, while we wait, we live each day as people of faith. Or as Isaiah put it, while we wait, we live each day walking in the light. I have a friend, David, who lives in Minnesota. He's about my age. And all his adult life, he's been a missionary, primarily to Europe. He journeys regularly to that part of the world to equip pastors to better serve their churches. He and his team uh, helps pastors care for their souls, and they teach them sound ministry practices. I received a prayer letter from David just a few weeks ago um, detailing his next planned trip a trip that was completed last week. He opened his letter with words that immediately got my attention. I will be traveling to Ukraine November 11th through the 19th. We will be training around 100 pastors with our disciple-making materials we will also be doing some other teaching to encourage and strengthen these pastors whose lives, families, churches, cities, and nation have been turned upside down with the war with Russia. Of course, this is what we hope. We'll have to work around the war. These pastors have been strongly urging us to come and help them during this time of great upheaval where many pastors have left the country and their churches. Even with the war going on, the pastors we have been training have been seeing many people come to Christ as there is an openness to the gospel due to the devastation that the country is dealing with. New churches are being started in the midst of of the war. Talk about living each day as people of faith. Talk about living each day walking in the light. I kind of think Advent hope 
is being proclaimed loud and clear in Ukraine today. What do you think? I'm a huge baseball fan, specifically a Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians baseball fan. One of the great joys of my life is listening to the radio broadcast of Cleveland baseball games most every summer evening. By the way, for any Cubs fans here, and I assume there's probably a lot of them, just know I still have not gotten over October 2016. I know it's been six years, but the woundedness is still there. So if you speak to me after worship, Cubs fans, just be kind to this brother in Christ. <laughs> Cleveland last won the World Series. Not in 2016, when they were this close. But in 1948, making them... The Major League Baseball team have gone now the longest without winning the championship, which means they have never won the title in my lifetime. But every year, we wait in hope. And stories like this one give me hope. Back in 2004, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series after an 86-year drought. If they can win it after 86 years, I'm kind of thinking Cleveland should be able to win it after 74 years, right? <laughs> and if you're a baseball fan, you will remember that in the league championship series that year, the Red Sox were down three games to none to their hated rival, the New York Yankees in the playoffs. In baseball history, including through this year, if I have the number right, there have been 40 teams down three games to none in a playoff series, and only one has ever won four games straight to win the series, the 2004 Boston Red Sox. And then they went on to sweep the Cardinals in the World Series, ending their 86 years of pain and suffering. When the Red Sox came back to beat the Yankees that year, down 3-0, the Red Sox nation began to hope that the seemingly impossible might happen. That night, the night they won Game 7 against the Yankees, Jared Dolphin, a 30-year-old Red Sox fan, was at his post at a prison in Connecticut where he was a security guard. He watched the game that night in a cell block on the cell block television, surrounded by residents of the prison. When the Red Sox retired the final Yankee batter in game seven and began to celebrate their improbable victory, Dolphin, this macho young security guard, began to cry tears of joy. Listen to his words as he describes what happened next. After the final out, the cell block erupted. I bristled immediately and instinctively my hand reached for my flashlight. It was pandemonium. 
whistling, shouting, pounding on sinks, doors, bunks, anything they could get their hands on. This was against every housing rule in the book. I jumped up ready to lay down the law. But as I stood there looking around the block, I felt something else. I felt hope. Here I was, less than 10 feet away from guys that will never see the outside of prison ever again in their lives. The guy in the cell to my immediate left had 180 years. He wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. But as I watched him scream, holler, and pound on the table, I realized he and I had something in common. That night, hope beamed into his life as well. As Red Sox fans, we had watched the impossible happen. And if that dream could come true, why couldn't others? Instead of marching around the block trying to restore order, I put my flashlight down and clapped. My applause joined the ruckus they were making. And for five more minutes, it went on. I clapped until my hands hurt. I was applauding the possibilities for the future. Brothers and sisters, that's what we do in Advent. We applaud the possibilities for the future. Jesus Christ, the one who came once in Bethlehem, will one day come again. He is our hope. So while we wait, we walk every day as people of the light. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for Isaiah who comes to us every year this time to remind us of the hope we have in you. And while we wait for our Lord to come once again, May we be faithful, and may we be people who walk in the light. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.